Hello and welcome to the first episode of Hangovers and Hand Grenades. I'm your host, Nick Bono, and today I feel like talking about Mortal Kombat. One of my favorite movies as a kid. I have a chance to rewatch it every time I want to because not only do I own it on DVD, but it is on Netflix, and that couldn't make me any happier. For those who aren't aware of what Mortal Kombat is, simply stated by IMDb, it is three annoying martial artists are summoned to a mysterious island to compete in a tournament whose outcome will decide the fate of the world. So that all being said, uh, pretty much the movie is about three people who are abducted voluntarily, somewhat, brought to a mysterious island and forced to fight to save the Earth realm from the outworld. Man oh man, could we get any easier on naming these places christ if there was a place of flowers they would call it flower world not only does this movie boast one of the best soundtracks it also boasts probably one of the worst cgis i've ever seen out of the 90s but let's keep in mind that 95 cgi was still just getting itself off the ground so let's not criticize that too hard i think it was well used to a degree for reptile maybe I mean, rewatching this movie as a, an adult, I still get super happy watching the movie and super excited and pumped up every time I hear the Mortal Kombat! I mean, I still dance to that whole thing while it's going off and I get super stoked on the fight and I'm like, yes, Johnny Cage is about to punch Goro in his dick again for like the 10th time I've seen this. And I, I just, I can't help but just feel this like wave of nostalgia and just remembering like as a kid seeing Sub Zero doing his famous like freeze you and make you explode moves, which is kind of cool because like thinking about it like watching the movie and then playing the games. I mean, Mortal Kombat really brought to the table in the fighting world um, like a very different idea of like what a fighting game should be. I mean. Keep me in mind that this is like fighting games were were not really to the level that Mortal Kombat was, where you had these bloody fights and you saw blood gushing out of people and fatalities that people are getting ripped apart and these characters that are ninjas that have these crazy powers and robots and, and special forces and just a whole culmination of just so many different characters. Um, it was really cool to have that variety in a fighting game that wasn't Street Fighter for once. You know, Street Fighter was similar like into the sense of the fighters had this idea of they had superpowers to a degree i mean they what was his name the guy that could stretch his arms out i'll never remember their names i wasn't a street fighter kid i was a mortal Kombat kid so and i mean street fighter you know came out with their own movie as well and you know it, it was a decent movie and i watched it as a kid i'm like okay cool like bison neat like but something about seeing like Shang Sun and Shao Kahn I'm like these are the kind of guys that I emphasize with like bad or evil and like the ninjas were just like so captivating to be like wow that one can shoot a spear out of his hand and I mean that was really really cool to me but to watch the movie as an adult you kind of start to question things a little bit more and, and as you have this knowledge and as the lore goes on you're like wait a minute what were we thinking here like doing this this way i mean so with the idea that shang sun is sent as an errand boy to recruit what we find out to be earth's mightiest warriors which i don't know if you have to like fill out a survey or like an iq test to be rated as earth's mightiest warrior because really these people do not seem like the upper echelon of fighters you know you have sonya blade uh who's just a special forces on a a, a revenge mission really um uh, johnny cage who's an actor 
uh, and is just a complete oaf. And, you know, you have Liu Kang, who's probably the only one that's justified enough to be considered Earth's mightiest warrior. But even at that, he's probably just a black belt in karate. And so they're why didn't they just go to the local dojo in some downtown and be like, all right, you 10 kids, you're coming with me and you're going to fight to save your world. I mean, if you have to win 10 matches, I'm not going to look for Earth's mightiest warriors intentionally. I'm going to look for like Earth's subpar mightiest warriors. 10 times like you know that you want to win and this is the only way that outworld can technically take over the earth realm is by winning 10 tournaments in a row like there's rules involved which makes it even better that there's elder gods that went hey all this conquering stuff like you guys you got to play by the rules it's it's you know you got to do it our way or you don't get to do anything at all and they just came up with an arbitrary number, like 10, 10 fights. You guys win 10 tournaments over the course of, I don't know, how many years. Like, can you fight more than once a year? Can you hold 10 tournaments in a row, like, within 10 minutes? I, I mean, like, they never really go into depth and explain exactly how long it's been since the last tournament's been held. But, and if they did, I don't remember, and I apologize. I literally just watched the movie yesterday. And again, that soundtrack just got me so hyped, I missed most of the movie just dancing around like an idiot. But anyway, so, you know, the movie progresses on and they, they have Earth's mightiest warriors, quote unquote, um, who get on this boat and go to a mysterious island. And when they arrive to the island, it looks like they just got off a plane in Hawaii. Like there's all these flags and all these people getting off these boats and they're walking up onto the beach and it's super cool. But you see a lot of like people in the background that you wouldn't really consider earth's mightiest warriors and this is where i'm saying that like raiden reached out and to these three people and he's like you three you're the only ones that are going to survive why wouldn't he go around and be like you hundreds of other people shouldn't really be here like you should probably go home and save your life but i mean i guess they got something to prove i mean for me if i was sitting at home or if I was just out and about and some dude came up to me and was like, you're going to be the next protector of the earth realm while I'm like shopping at a, a grocery store, I'm going to be like, uh, no, no, thanks. Uh, is there like an option or waiver? I say like, no, I'm not going to really defend earth. Realm. I'm just going to let it go because I'm not going to go to some tournament and be like fighting random dudes just to save earth realm while I'm trying to buy a honey baked ham for my you know dinner. You know, it just doesn't make sense how they went about recruiting these guys shang sun the shapeshifter showing up in various locations and just being like here take this random scroll now you're involved have fun so maybe to a degree they didn't have an option but there was a lot of people there that just didn't look like they would have been what i assume from earth realms earth's mightiest warriors um you know a lot of them looked like humans very well could be from other realms you know for all we know outworld is just pretty much uh, full of monsters to some degree but there's definitely like humans but i'm assuming that the monsters might have come from like other conquered realms i mean like you know come to mortal Kombat annihilation one of my other favorite films and a sequel to this one which i'll talk about at a later time um you see more characters that fall into that really in Mortal Kombat, the first movie, uh, we only see Goro as as our main monster, if you will. Um, Shang Tsung even is is kind of dumbed down as just a basic sorcerer, if you will. Um, and Sub Zero and Scorpion are the only other ones that are like, "Whoa, watch out for these guys! They're really badass." But even then, they aren't that. They don't portray them as badass. They like bring them out in this really, really tough way, like within you know, the first half hour of the movie, I'd say, 
Um, they bring them out. They show them off. They're like, hey, these are Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Remember playing them in the game? Well, here they are now in real life. And then Raiden shows up and just blasts them through walls. Like, what? Like, they just showed off one can free shit. One has a living spear, which I'll get to, in his hand. And you just blast him through a wall? And these are these are your toughest fighters? These guys that got superpowers just get blasted by Raiden? All right, cool. Where I mean, where was Goro? Why didn't he put him on the ship? Why didn't he to have him march around and be like, "Oh, fuck you! Watch out! I got four arms and I'm half dragon." I mean, that would have been my approach. I would have been like, "Here's here's my trump card, right out in the out in face, right here. Fight this guy and you'll you'll survive, and if you win." But you know, he's got four arms, so you're gonna have a tough time doing that. Overall, I really feel like the beginning of the movie was a little hard to kind of, like, wrap your head around. But it was still cool. It was still, like, really fun to watch it. But, again, there was a lot of continuity things that they could have stuck with. Especially during the fights with the ninjas. So, I don't know if you guys have caught on yet. I'm obsessed with Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Two of my favorite characters from the entire franchise, hands down. We'll play them, guaranteed, along with Cyrex, um, Sector... Most of the most of the ninjas and robots. I'm I'm a big fan of like when they did the uh, the cyborg initiative. That was cool when they brought that into the games and they made Sub Zero into an android as well. Um, and I thought it was really cool that you know they did ultimately kill Sub Zero. They didn't need to kill him technically. They couldn't let him live because he kind of died in a really uneventful way he kind of just he was like fighting uh against Liu Kang which was like all right sweet and they're they're like and it's like fight 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 um you know and Sub-Zero again he could have froze Liu Kang at any any moment he could have just been like whatcha and just like shoots out his ice beam or creates his ice clone you know these are all things that were established we know he has these moves Yet he's he's very very like they even showed him freezing a dude midair uh, before he even fought Liu Kang. They're like, all right, Sub Zero is really badass, and then he gets beat up, and then he gets like upset, and he throws a tantrum, and he starts creating this ice bubble, and Liu Kang is conveniently given two buckets of water by Katana, and given a metaphor of like that that brings life can be used to stop Sub Zero. And he's like, oh, sweet, I'll just use, you know, centrifugal force to create an ice spear in this bubble, I guess, uh, and stab Sub-Zero and and cause him to freeze and die. Okay, my biggest complaint with this is that they built Sub-Zero to be this badass ninja with freezing powers who is ultimately destroyed by his own ability, which, okay, yeah, you can look at it and be like, okay... Sub-Zero has ultimately got to lose anyways. He's he's going to lose one way or another. Lin Kuei, Scorpion, you know, somebody's going to kill him because that's the that's the storyline. But we just were riding off the heels of the Scorpion and Johnny Cage fight. Uh, and it, it was just so crazy to watch those two fight because Scorpion teleports and, you know, brings him into the netherworld as well as, you know, fighting Johnny Cage in the woods and fires a spear out of his hand, which for some reason... For some reason, the spear was alive. I cannot stress enough that you're creating a movie that is obviously not like you don't have to answer any questions as to why a man is shooting a spear out of his hand. Why do you need to make it alive? 
Never once in any of the games did that spear look like it had a dragon's head or anything. It always was like a spear on a rope, like a kunai on a rope or or on a chain or something. But in the movie, they decided, you know what? That doesn't make sense. How is he creating this spear out of nowhere? I mean, despite the fact that he's, you know, obviously uh, a, a walking corpse because he was killed and brought back to life by Quan Chi. So let's not forget the fact that he's already just not like he's a demon as it is. You don't have to argue like nobody's going to ask the question of how it's done. They just want to see the spear fly out of his hand, not have some sort of weird creature burst its way through his hand and then smash its face into a tree. That is just not what Scorpion is about. Again, you have this opportunity to take a ninja that we all know and love and and give him this really cool scene. And they in the second half of it, they did. They did a really good job with the second half. But leading into that second half, it was just a shit show for Scorpion. Just like, man, you're out in the woods and you fire a spear and it smashes headlong and it's a, a live creature. You never see the spear again. You see the spear twice. And it they say his iconic line of the get over here and that's like yes yes just make it a real spear and we could have had a great movie on our hands like but ultimately scorpion does use his teleport which is mad cool because he brings johnny cage into what i'm assuming is the nether realm it's hard to tell because it's really really like they, they tried they tried to make it look like hell to a degree but they they really nailed scorpion in that second scene though the fight was fantastic he ripped off his mask to portray his skeleton head he breathed fire like the fatality i have zero complaints of how he died it was just awesome and yet they still bring him back in the second movie armageddon or annihilation and you know what he was almost as good in Annihilation, but just not the same. And again, uh, the next episode, we will talk about Annihilation because there's no way I'm going to let Annihilation off the hook on this one. Um, Annihilation definitely was a great follow-up, but has a lot of issues in itself. And, you know, again, speaking of the ninjas, bringing Reptile into this this whole mix as well was kind of interesting and again, they showcase uh, you know Liu Kang doing his bicycle kick to kill Reptile. But the biggest question is, is like, okay, Reptile starts off as this like, uh, uh, how do you want to say, raptor creature? We, we're not sure what the hell it is. But he starts off as this raptor creature. He gets absorbed into a statue that kind of like just takes him over, and all these tentacles come out and like grab him, and he merges with the statue. Then he kind of starts fighting Liu Kang as this ninja, which is all right, cool. Yeah. Reptile. And it's a cool fight. And Liu Kang shows off his signature move with a bicycle kick and, you know, repeatedly kicks Scorpion or reptile in the, the chest. And you got this really badass nineties rave music going on in the background. And it is just like, he gets kicked through a wall and he does like eight backflips. And that's no exaggeration. He like four, four to eight backflips through the wall. Uh, and and lands and eventually turns back into the statue that had absorbed him, but also turns into bugs. And I don't know if the creators were watching too much like Nightmare Before Christmas and was like, we want a ninja that like kind of uh, resonates with Oogie Boogie Man because he was a sack full of bugs and so is Reptile. But then they show Reptile as the the creature again coming out of the corpse amongst all the bugs 
And then Liu Kang just kind of curb stomps his ass. So I was kind of confused. I'm like, where did the bugs come from? If it wasn't reptile, did they, what? <laughs> did his guts just like spill out and they're, they're bugs and he's a raptor and, and Liu Kang is like super badass, I guess, just curb stomping people. But overall, I, I really just, like, all the ninjas, I, I was super happy to see, at least see them. Like, especially as a kid, you know, just tying it back in. Like, you're playing the game, and, and it's always everybody's dream to be like, wow, wouldn't it be sweet if, like, Galaga came to, like, the main screen? Like, I'm Galaga, dude. Like, they got the ship. Like, Space Invaders. Like, I guess they already did a movie about that with, uh, what's his name? Uh, Adam, uh, Adam Sandler. They they came out with that movie where all the video game stuff came to life. I personally never saw that movie. I couldn't I couldn't get behind that. Adam Sandler is not one of my favorite actors, to be perfectly honest. Do I think he would have done great in the movie Mortal Kombat? Absolutely. I think he would have been a great Goro. But that was like you know like uh, you know I, I think it was just like cool because you're playing the game, you're you're watching the movies, and it all kind of comes together like in your imagination. You're like, yes, now I know what these characters are like somewhat like you know at least as a kid now you watch it and you're like you're just like uh you know man hey you know give it give it what it is speaking of my favorite fights we have to obviously make reference to the goro and johnny cage fight and some people at this point are like but what about kano and sonya like uh sonya blade in the Kano fight, I was, I was, I checked out for that one. I'm just like, it's boring. It's really boring because Kano has these really great abilities in the video games of like that laser eye and, and the combat knife. And, you know, he has so much more they could have used in that fight with Sonya Blade. It's probably the most vanilla fight of the entire movie. And I just, I'm not a big fan of either of those characters to be perfectly honest. So, I'm skipping over that one. There's not much to talk about with it. Again, very vanilla fight. But the Goro and Johnny Cage fight, that is a fight that I'm hugely a fan of. And I think that they did a great job of, like, not only the special effects with Goro. You have to remember this isn't a time, like, when monster effects were on their way out. But they had Goro, this giant, four-armed, half-dragon prince of, you know, whatever, uh, prince of Outworld. Um, and so he comes in and Johnny Cage is put up against him and Goro is like responsible for most of the wins of Outworld's, uh, Mortal Kombat's and it's stated that he is the reigning champ right now and for for good reason. I mean, Goro, even in the video games was, uh, uh, you know, the second tier boss, like you had to fight this guy and it just, it felt like his, his health bar just never went down. And then eventually you would fight Kintaro as well. Who's very similar to Goro, but Kintaro is like just even more badass. Um, so Goro, Johnny Cage, we get this look of Goro, just this big monstrous beast who's probably like a good 10 feet tall, you know, like it's just like, oh, fuck me. And he's ugly as sin. And you're just like, God, no, why? <laughs> like, do I really have to fight this guy? And Johnny Cage is just like, OK, we're going to do this. And like Goro does the most iconic, like this is the most iconic fight. And everybody knows the quote. But it's great because Goro takes the sunglasses off Johnny Cage's face and crushes them in his hand. And it's just like, oh, this is so good. 
it, he doesn't even understand what sunglasses are. Like, Goro is just like, these things on your face need to go away now and just crushes them. <laughs> like, he wasn't even, like, it would have been even better if he just, like, took them off and, like, put them on his face and acted like a dumb kid. Like, oh, I don't know what these do. Can I see differently? I would have loved to have seen that. But Goro takes them off his face, crushes them, and that's that's how the fight starts. Johnny Cage is like, I would have fucking fight you. Does a split, punches Goro in the dick, and thank God he has the same reproductive, uh, you know, organs as a human being. You know, I thought for sure a half-dragon, four-armed, giant monster creature would probably have his dick hanging through his, his back of his head. But, you know, he got lucky with that one. You know, he, he nailed him right where he knew that there should be something, and sure as shit there was something there that caused equal amounts of pain for him to run away and find a cliff. And hence, you know, Goro's writhing in pain. He's like, oh, God, I just got punched in what I assume is my genitals. And he gets mad and he starts running after Johnny Cage at a very slow pace. He kind of just kind of wanders through this cave that Johnny ran through. And Johnny perches himself at the top of a, a, you know, hillside at a dead end. And when Goro comes out there looking for him, he goes, those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. And then he kicks Goro in the face, and eventually Goro falls off the cliff. And I believe he says, this is the part where you fall down, and Goro lets go. And possibly one of the best scenes of CGI in the entire movie of Goro flying (laughs) into the abyss... But it's hard to, like, look at it as him falling because it looks like he's kind of, like, flying across these clouds into the abyss. I don't really know where they were going with that one, but it's fantastic. And so brings us to, you know, a couple other points that I want to state that Quintana, 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 Quintana. My God, if I could ever get her name right. The 1,000-year-old princess who is also an assassin who uses giant fan blades in the games to fight her enemies and is possibly one of the most annoying characters to fight uh, next to Ermac, who also has the manipulation of, like, sweeping you off your feet. Um, But regardless. uh, So we have Quintana. She's mostly a background character. She's mostly a love interest for for Johnny... Or for... uh, Liu Kang, we don't see much of her really doing anything, and when she does, it's pretty lackluster, especially in comparison to what she does in the second movie. So, again, a lot of this is going to tie back into Annihilation being the better one of the two, if you ask me, because they did so much more with the characters in Annihilation than they did with Mortal Kombat, so I'm really excited to talk about Annihilation um, come the next episode, if you haven't guessed so far, but the the ending of Mortal Kombat, we'll kind of get you know uh, to the end here, where Shang Sun faces off with uh, Johnny K or with um, Liu Kang. Why am I obsessed with saying Johnny Cage? Johnny Cage is such a way better name. Uh, it's just he's such a great character in the video games. He's a great character. Just in general, he's one of my favorites. To be perfectly honest, in this movie at least, he's one of my favorites. But Liu Kang, Shang Tsung, rival match. They're like, okay, uh, you know, I challenge. So you're you're allowed to challenge people. You can't fight each other outside of challenges. Uh, you have to be directly challenged. You can't just go like 
punch someone in the face or kill them like prior to a match or something, you have to directly challenge them. So Shangson exercises this right, kidnaps um, Sonya Blade, challenges her. Johnny Cage, being in love with Sonya at this point, is like, oh, God, no, oh, come back. And they went to Outworld. Um, and Luke King and Johnny, you know, shot, followed. And, you know, I know we've skipped around quite a bit at this point. Um, you know, a lot of the reptile fight takes at this point, you know, um, leading up to this this whole, like, uh, Shang Sun fight. But uh, needless to say, Shang Sun is is faced off by Liu Kang. You know, Liu Kang is like, I'll fight you, you dirty rat, you. He just goes gangster on him. And so Shang Tsung's like, all right, well, I played way too much Zelda, so you have to face these trials now. And thankfully, Princess Katana knows the trials enough to narrate what they are for those of us that are watching and couldn't comprehend the fact that these were the trials. So, you know, they do, like, the trial of, like, face your enemy, and it's like... Shang Tsung summons, like, he summons these spirits. So you have to remember Shang Tsung, for those who don't know, is an evil sorcerer who absorbs the souls of fallen fighters. So he's, like, made up of thousands and thousands of souls um, throughout the millennia that he's been alive. And he takes these souls and he releases them in this room that has the dragon symbol in it. It's so cool. I'm not even going to try and lie about that. But anyways... So he releases these, uh, you know, spirits into the the room, and they find their way into these. What I'm assuming now are sealed grave sites. I'm not really sure because they kind of go in, and then various warriors pop out. Now I don't know if he like had bodies buried in there and sealed away for just such an occasion, or if he created the bodies in these tunnels. I'm not really sure where they come from. I guess we're not going to ask questions on that one because we already said, you know, we wouldn't ask questions about Scorpion if you just gave him the chains, but you didn't give him the chains. So I'm asking questions. Where the hell did these bodies come from? So anyways, he summons these fighters and they start showcasing them off. They're like, all right, we got this sweet like uh, Shaolin monk kind of looking dude, like Mongolian. This dude that's unarmed and looks badass and super strong. And most of these guys have like little to no armor and just like pretty much basic weapons, right? In the third or fourth cut to the Warriors, there's a goddamn samurai. And he's in, like, a full armor. Like, it just, like, might as well have, like... I don't know why he felt the need to summon, like, all these barbarians and then a samurai. Full armor samurai. Couldn't miss him if you tried. Super awesome to look at. But doesn't really make sense with the overall theme of who he's summoning here. So... Kind of, kind of was like, what? <laughs> when he showed up, like, you're a little far away from home, aren't you, buddy? Uh, so long story short, he summons these guys. And it's like, if you're summoning people, right? Again, it kind of is like that idea of Earth's mightiest warriors. You're using spirits of fallen fighters to fight for you to try and win your tournament. Why, why would you use you know the spirits of fallen people why wouldn't you just have like a you know like a side room filled with dudes that might be a little bit better like your black ops people your people that like have done the fighting and won like it was up to me and i i had to face off to like this is like my big fight i need to do this i'm not gonna use people who have already lost you know they've already shown that they can't fight they lost (laughs) 
So, I mean, it was kind of just like, Shang Tsung, why, why, why? And so he summons them. They obviously all lose because, you know, they lost once before. Why wouldn't they lose again? And, uh, you know, then he goes like he, the, the second trial is like face yourself or face your greatest fear. And he changes he's changes into Liu Kang's brother that he killed. And then he does the greatest face when Liu Kang says, like, I know that you're not my brother. I, I saw you change and I know what you're doing here. Thanks to, you know, uh, Katana's, uh, you know, narrations. Uh, I know I know you're trying to make me feel bad and. You know, take the jump up. I'm, I'm, I'm not falling for it. Shang Tsung, the actor, I want to know what they told him to do because the face he makes is this most elongated, like, you will die. <laughs> and it is just, it is super stretched out. He is like, like intensely into the scene, like scary even, like, oh shit. Like this guy is like means business. Uh, and, and the long story short of it is that Luke Kang uses one of his infamous fireballs and knocks Shang Tsung into the pit, which has then, uh, had spikes kind of pop out in the shape of the dragon, uh, and Shang Tsung is defeated and all the spirits are freed from him and everybody's a happy camper again. And then they all go on to live happily ever after, except they lead into the second movie by having, uh, Shao Kahn show up. At top the monk temple and be like, oh fuck you! And he has the the generals uh, show up, and uh, you know we'll get more into that called Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So uh, to kind of wrap this all up, you know, just to to, to say, uh, Mortal Kombat definitely the soundtrack is what makes this movie. It is it is just such a great representation of '90s techno okay <laughs> i can't stress it enough the soundtrack is what makes this movie so good because the fights would have been if they used any other type of music the fights would not have been as epic as they were like they the fights were very very well choreographed and they're really cheesy to say the least but the music is what's just like yes like let's fucking do this fight oh my god just beat the shit out of each other please uh and you know the the ninjas the characters were were well done for a first attempt um i think that they fell a little short on really making sub-zero be the character that he could have been i think it would have been great to stick with the the overall lore having scorpion and sub-zero fight because um you know, he's under the assumption, Scorpion's under the assumption that Sub-Zero killed his family, when really that's not the case, but eventually Scorpion does get his vengeance, and Scorpion, uh, or Sub-Zero's brother goes on to avenge uh, Scorpion, or avenge his brother, um, and, you know, fight the evil sorcerer that we don't get to see, unfortunately, Quan Chi, who is a lot cooler of a sorcerer than Shang Tsung, uh, Quan Chi kind of never made it into the movies, unfortunately. Um, and I would have really, really liked to have seen Quan Chi do his kind of sorcery because he's more on the necromancer kind of side of things. He's uh, definitely um, uh, way, way, way more interesting sorcerer than Shang Sun. Um, but you know what? I wasn't the one directing the movie, unfortunately. Um, but 
So that all being said, uh, you know, I think that they would have been really cool to maybe do something along those lines, uh, having the, the ninjas fight. And then also, uh, I really think that they, they should have like made it a little more played down on like the tournament Island. Like the amount of stuff that went into getting that Island set up for this fight really seems like, eh, like I can see in the great hall when everybody's gathered for the first time, like they have the food and the tables and they flip the tables over to demonstrate like sub zero's powers. Um, for whatever reason, like they really needed to emphasize like, this is how cool sub zero could have been, but we fell short on it. Um, so either way, like, I think that was cool, but like all the flags and, and these huts and stuff that they set up and these rings, for the fights, I think what that was like, okay, you know, who who stepped out there to say, you know, we've got this this outworld needs to have a represented ring to fight in. Otherwise, the whole thing's just called off. Like, I think they could have just done it where, like, you know, they, they have, like, just kind of various areas. Like, the woods, like they did with Scorpion and Johnny Cage. Like, just you're walking around and all of a sudden, oh, fuck, this dude's got spears firing out of his hand. Or, like, just, again, in the castle in general, like, just walking around. There's so many better scenes than on the beach, surrounded by a stone ring and saying, Shang Tsung's going to sit there and watch you fight and play Caesar. Like, it really, it really could have been more on the lines of, you know, less, less prepared, I feel. So, um... And I, I mean, on the end, on the end note of this whole thing, um, do I feel any different watching this movie now older than I did was as a kid? Absolutely not. Still a huge fan of the movies. I own both of them on DVD. I love every minute of watching these things. They are great B-roll film movies. Like you watch them as you get older, you understand like, Oh God, like it's so hard to watch the CG effects in this, but it's still like, you still get just as hyped now as you did then to watch these characters come to life and really just get into these high action fight scenes. And, you know, just again, uh, enjoy it for what it's worth. You know, again, it's that nostalgia, you know, it's the nostalgia factor. So for me, the nostalgia factor was high on this one. Let me know what you guys think uh, in the comments below. And, uh, you know, if you have a favorite Mortal Kombat character or any other thoughts of the movie, I would love to freaking hear them. So please, again, leave a comment. Make sure you uh, like the channel, like the page. You can find me uh, at Hangovers and Hand Grenades. I'm, again, your host, Nick Bono. And until next time, remember, close enough is good enough.